You're listening to Collegiate Chaos. Here are your hosts, Matt Levine, Ben Dixon, and Sam Ostry. Welcome to our third episode of Collegiate Chaos on this rainy Thursday in College Park. I'm Ben Dixon alongside Matt Levine and Sam Ostry. How are we doing today, boys? Doing well. Doing well on this gloomy day here. Yeah, no complaints. Uh, but uh, we'll get right into it. We're going to start off with the COVID cancellations across college football. Unfortunately, that includes our Terps. Three of the nation's top five teams won't play, including number one Alabama, who was supposed to hit the road against LSU, and number five Texas A&M, who was supposed to have a road game against Tennessee. Other teams not playing include Georgia, Missouri, Auburn, Mississippi State, Memphis, Navy, and a few more. There's a total of eight games canceled so far due to COVID-19. And, guys, I mean, this really isn't a good thing. Uh, obviously upset. I know, Matt, you were about to announce the Maryland-Ohio State game. I feel for you. But what are the takeaways here? We knew it was going to happen with the SEC. You hate to see it happening with Maryland. Yeah, I mean, it, it's horrible. You hate to see it all across college football. I mean, COVID's running rampant throughout the country, and it's no different on college campuses. It's no different with these student-athletes. It's, it's horrible to see. You hope that they recover quickly. But... You know, it is what it is. It's the state of the country right now. I think the next step for Maryland, um, they had allegedly eight guys test positive, eight players on the team test positive within the last week. I know that they had a few more before that, I think, but they weren't publicly announced. Uh, So now that it's all public, everybody knows in the country, the next step that the Big Ten implemented is to get the positive results early enough so that it doesn't spread within the entire team which is kind of what you're seeing with LSU uh, and other SEC schools where one guy gets it and it just kind of spreads throughout the whole team, all the coaches, whatever. But I think if nobody else tests positive for Maryland within the next couple of days, that's really going to show that the Big Ten is doing doing this the right way or doing it better than other conferences. But still, eight guys in the last week – I know that Scott Van Pelt said the other night on his Sports Center show that the Halloween parties, it, it, that's the problem here. But who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows how these players got it? Who knows where they were? And who knows how many more will get it from then? But I know now that the players are quarantining at the hotel in College Park until Sunday. Uh, and then I think from there, they're getting tested every day still. So from then on Sunday, I, I assume that if nobody else tests positive, that they'd open up their uh, program again and open up their team activities again and then hopefully play against Michigan State next Saturday. But I think it's day by day. And I feel for the other teams too as well. Like Ohio State, they have no cases from what we know, at least publicly. Justin Fields putting together another Heisman candidate season and he can't play this week. That can affect his resume for the Heisman. Um, I hope that People that vote for this take it into consideration, but a team like Alabama as well with Mac Jones not playing this week. It's it's tough for college football. It's a revenue crusher almost uh, for broadcasters, for TVs, for TV channels that were going to stream these games. Just it it I never realized until it, it until it came to College Park, until it came to Maryland, I never realized how much this really affects every level of this sport it's crazy because if you're a college football player and you're a fan you want these athletes to be 
student athletes to be conscientious of what they're doing. But then at the same time, it's so much easier said than done when you look at the country as a whole. And yesterday was the worst day we've ever had in terms of new coronavirus cases. So it really is running rampant across the country. It's also You hate to see these games getting canceled. Absolutely. It's also important to remember that the Big Ten has this 21-day protocol. And we know that eight players tested positive for Maryland, but we don't know exactly which players. There were some reports that it was key players. We don't know exactly what side of the ball that is. We don't know exactly who it is. Obviously, we'll find out soon enough, but it'll be interesting to see who that is exactly and how it affects the, how many weeks they have to miss, how many weeks Maryland as a whole has to miss. But for all these SEC um, games that are getting canceled, they don't have this 21-day protocol that they need to clear before they can play again. So they, hopefully for their sake, as long as they make a clear recovery, can get right back into it next week. Right, it's virtually a different world when you see Nick Saban test positive for Alabama, obviously a coach, not a player, and in the same week he tests negative two more times and comes back on the sideline. If you're in the Big Ten, you got to sit out three weeks. So definitely a different world. Let's hope the Big Ten is doing it right. And with the Big Ten, we'll move into the games this week in the conference. Obviously, like we said, Maryland not playing, but we'll get into some of the other games. It's our conference, our football. Uh, Friday night, we got Iowa. One and two, a three and a half point favorite at Minnesota, who's also one and two. Been a little bit of an underwhelming start for both teams, but should be a good one. We love that Friday exposure for the Big Ten in the spotlight. And guys, what do you think about this one? Well, I think they do a good job. Whoever schedules these games, I think it's the Big Ten scheduling these Friday night games. It's like the NFL when they do the Thursday night games that are usually terrible games, but you want those bad teams to get exposure because. If they're the only game on, that's going to get a lot of viewers. So when you have two teams that, I mean, nobody expected Minnesota to lose to Maryland, and now they're one and two. But when you have two teams that are below 500 squaring off Big Ten football, especially in a world like today, nobody really cares who's playing. They just want to watch sports. Um, So I think this is another great game on a Friday night. Big Ten country, and it's another game for Minnesota, I think, that their offense puts it together like they did last week against Illinois. Uh, and I think that I, – I, I know Iowa is a favorite here, but I think Minnesota gets it done. I think their running game is too good with Muhammad Ibrahim and Rashad Bateman's too powerful. I think their offense just – if it clicks, it's going to go, and they're going to score a lot, and I don't think Iowa can keep up. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's a matchup between two one and two teams. This is going to be a pound-the-ball type of game. Iowa's best when they're running down people's throats. Minnesota, as you said, Ibrahim, um, Mohamed Ibrahim, he's a complete stud. I mean, he's 10 rushing touchdowns on the year already in three games, 571 rushing yards in last scrimmage on less than 100 carries. If he gets going, Iowa's going to have a problem. And they don't trust, Minnesota doesn't trust the quarterback at all. Tanner Morgan's only thrown the ball 73 times this year. So if Iowa can force, um, force them to try to throw the ball, keep the ball in Tanner Morgan's hands, then they'll have a little bit better time. I mean, I think this is going to be a great game. The line's only minus three and a half. It's just above a field goal for a reason. I think Vegas expects it to be a good game, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there, Sam. Uh, I think it's going to be a grinded-out type of uh, Big Ten game that we always love talking about. But uh, Friday night in the national spotlight, we hope it's a good one. Moving on to the next Big Ten game, uh, the first game on Saturday. you got 10th ranked. Crazy to say, 10th ranked, top 10, Indiana, sitting at 3-0, a touchdown favorite, heading to East Lansing to take on Michigan State, who's 1-2. and 
Michigan State obviously had that huge upset win over Michigan last week, but followed it with a 42-point road loss to Iowa. Don't really know what to make of Michigan State. I just don't think they're very good. But that game will be on noon at Saturday. Uh, I like Indiana here, only a touchdown favorite, uh, maybe because they're on the road. Who knows? But Indiana has really looked dominant following the Penn State win with a 16-point win at Rutgers and a 17-point win against formerly nationally ranked Michigan. We'll talk about them later in the show. But you look at this game, Michael Penix Jr. for Indiana versus Rocky Lombardi of Michigan State. Uh, not a great quarterback matchup, but Penix has proven himself to be a winner this year through three. What do you guys think about this one? Indiana has proven they're no joke this season. I mean, they, they had a good season last year. They were, they're building on this this their season from last year. Last season was their best, I've said it, I think, last two weeks. But it was their best season in 27 years. This time they're 3-0 and and two two wins against ranked teams, ranked top 10 in the country, actually. Now Indiana's ranked top 10 in the country for the first time since 1969. I mean, that's a long time ago for a little reference. Movie uh, Hoosiers, the great one of the greatest basketball movies of all time about a town and a basketball team in Indiana. That came out 17 years after 1969, which was a long time ago. So they're, they're back on top. And you talked about their offense, Michael Penix Jr. He's been great. He's an on-target thro- on target thrower. He can use his legs. But their red zone offense is really is what propelled them to this 3-0 start. They've scored 12 touchdowns on 16 red zone trips. And Penix has um, six touchdowns and zero interceptions in the red zone. I mean, when, when they get in the red zone, there's no defense that they've com- found that they can stop them. Michigan State, this line did surprise me a little bit. Only a touchdown and a little over a touchdown, seven and a half. But Michigan State's not a very good team. They had their signature win of the season against Michigan earlier. I don't expect them to compete in this game. And Indiana's for real. They're going to compete for this Big Ten, for the Big Ten this year. And especially with Ohio State losing a game, uh, that can give Indiana a shot if they play all their games to have more wins than Ohio State potentially in the Big Ten East. But I think it's another game that Indiana's offense propels again. Um, What surprised me the most from watching them last year to this year is the play of their wide receivers. Uh, I knew some of these guys last year, but this year they've been lights out. Wap Fillior and Ty Freifogel, some of the best names in college football. They also have Hendershot. They just have some absurd names, but they're playing They're playing on the field like they're some of the best receivers in the country right now. I don't know if that's Penix is hitting his spots or these guys are making crazy catches, but there were a few times against Michigan where they had some beautiful catches in the end zone. Um, Randy, Moss type, Randy Moss type plays, getting one foot down in the end zone, whatever it was, and they were able to just do everything. Right now, Fillior has 21 catches, 251. 252 yards and a touchdown. Freifogel has 13 catches, 224 yards, and two touchdowns. So they're doing everything. They're averaging double digits every reception, double digit yards every reception. And when you have that, their offense is going to go. Um, and they're just going to pick up first downs so easily like that and move the football and score. And that's what Indiana is doing so far. And they haven't really played a close game since week one against Penn State. No. The only thing that I would say concerns me a little bit about this matchup is this could be a look-ahead game. I mean, Indiana sees Michigan State. Indiana's now 3-0. They see Michigan State. Not a great football team. And they have Ohio State next weekend. And that will be off the bye because of their canceled game to Maryland. And that's going to be potentially two undefeated teams to the top of the Big Ten competing for each other. So this is a little uh, sleepy 
noon kickoff for Indiana. They have to come out on fire, and they need to take care of this one, which I think they will. But so. Yeah, I was going to say we should circle that game November 21st. Uh, next weekend, Indiana, Ohio State. Hopefully a matchup of undefeated teams. You'd love to see that in the Big Ten East with Indiana taking the place of Michigan and Penn State this year as the second-best team behind Ohio State. We'll move on to the next game in the Big Ten. Nothing really to watch here. Illinois 0-3 at Rutgers 1-2. Rutgers favored by 6.5. This is Saturday noon BTN game. Um, not really much to expect here. In the Illinois searching for their first win. Rutgers looking to get to 500 after their surprising win in week one over Michigan State. Anything from this game, guys, that stands out to you? Or uh, we're just not going to watch this one? <laughs> I mean, this is the slugfest Big Ten game of the week. It's also a noon kickoff. Not a lot of eyeballs will be on this one. Um, Rutgers is better than people thought. They spread the ball around, use consistently two running backs. Illinois are... are Illinois is last in the Big Ten scoring defense, so Rutgers will put up points. I expect them to win. I think Illinois is the worst team in the Big Ten. They have been dealing with some COVID absences, but I think top down, the roster is the worst in the Big Ten. It will be a struggle for them to find a win all season. If they found one, this might be it, but I'm not sure they will. If you look at the way Illinois has lost so far this year, 45-7 to to Wisconsin week one. 31-24 against Purdue in Week 2, and then 41-14 to against Minnesota last week. So, I mean, the closest one they had was losing by a touchdown against Purdue. But even then, I don't think that game was that close at all. It was probably more just late scores for the fighting Illini. And they get blown out by Wisconsin, blown out by Minnesota, and they're giving up a lot of points in all these games. I don't know if Rutgers' offense is that good to score that many points. But uh, I think if Illinois' defense makes some stops and makes some big plays and gets the football on their hands, they have a shot in this one. But I'm leaning towards Rutgers. Uh, I think they're the better team. They have a better quarterback. They just have better playmakers, honestly. And I think they'll come out on top by a little bit. And Illinois will fall to 0-4. Rutgers will be 500 somehow. Who knew? Yeah, Coach Coach Greg Schiano potentially bringing the Scarlet Knights to two and two. That's the Big Ten for you this year. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be a pretty good start for him, uh, and good for Rutgers going potentially five hundred through four games in the Big Ten. We'll move on to the next game, potentially the most intriguing game I've seen between winless teams in a while. You got Penn State, who's zero three, searching for their first win, favored by three and a half. Heading to Lincoln, Nebraska to take on the Cornhuskers, who are 0-2. Really, a miserable start for both teams, uh, more so Penn State, who obviously had the heartbreaking loss versus Indiana uh, in Week 1. Tough loss to Ohio State, Week 2 at home, and then the absolutely embarrassing blowout loss to Maryland at home last week, go Terps. But, um, and you look at Nebraska... A 52-17 loss to Ohio State and an 8-point loss to Northwestern last week. Not a lot to love in this game, but, I mean, it's about as much of a star power, excuse me, about as much of a star power you'll see uh, in a game between winless teams when you look at Jahan Dotson at wide receiver for Penn State, who's been remarkable, and uh, a pretty good quarterback matchup between Sean Clifford and Adrian Martinez. I think what's so interesting, just by looking at the season leaders for both teams right now, they're rushing leaders. Both teams are their quarterbacks. Um, for Penn State, it's Clifford, and for Nebraska, it's Martinez. 
that stands out so much to me because how good the Big Ten is with running backs, especially Penn State. I mean, just in the last few years, Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders right now in the NFL lighting it up. Obviously, Barkley uh, out for the season with an ACL tear, but just guys like that that have gone to the NFL and now, unfortunately for Penn State, they're a little slim there. Uh, yesterday, Journey Brown, their best running back, found out he will no longer play football. He's forced to medically retire because a COVID-19 test found a, um, a heart malfunction or, Very rare I don't know, a, a rare heart condition. That's the word. Uh, and he no longer played football, which is obviously so devastating. Great player. Um, and we feel for him, obviously. But it's Penn State and Noah Kane obviously hurt as well. They just haven't been able to get the running game going at all. Um, and that might be why they're 0-3. Uh, is just that they've had to rely on the pass so much. Uh, Clifford's thrown the ball 122 times, and I think, Sam, you said Tanner Morgan from Minnesota has only thrown it 73 times. And that's kind of the difference there. Obviously, Minnesota's not having great success either, only one and two. But if Penn State's running game was opened up a little more, I don't think they'd be 0-3 because uh, defenses kind of know what they're going to do. And Maryland's defense last week against Penn State did a phenomenal job stopping the run, and I don't know if that's because they actually played better defense than they had in the first two weeks, or if Penn State's running game is just brutal and they can't get it going. So it's I think it's a test of both there, but Maryland held them to under 100 rushing yards, and they previously gave up over 300 to Minnesota, or over 300 to Northwestern and over 200 to Minnesota. So when teams are running the ball like that, it's it's a recipe for success, but Penn State can't figure it out. And they can't figure out the passing game either, honestly. Uh, they're kind of in shambles right now. Jahan Dotson's really been their bright spot. Maryland even contained him a little bit. And I think he said after that game that they need to figure it out. They need to get something going. And I think he was saying that if a player doesn't believe or doesn't want to be there, then they should get out. And I like that mindset, personally. Uh, they're, I think they're trying to turn this thing around. I think they will against Nebraska here, um, they just have more talent, obviously. Penn State has much more talent than Nebraska. There's no reason they should be 0-3. They were a top-10 team in the preseason AP poll. I think it's just going to take one game to figure it out, kind of, and this is the one. Uh, but if they fall to 0-4, my mindset might change a little bit, and I will no longer be a believer in the Nittany Lions. I mean, it's hard to be a believer right now in the Nittany Lions. Like, who would have thought after three games going into week four that Penn State would have no wins? I mean, this is certainly a forgettable year for them. We'll see what happens. It's obviously a weird year, so we'll help, we'll see how people evaluate in terms of fan base, donors, everything people evaluate the year. This year was such a hectic, weird, unpredictable year. But this is certainly a forgettable year for them. I'm not sure if James Franklin will be back. I mean, you guys pointed out just the running back situation. It's brutal. We couldn't ask for a worse situation in terms of the running backs. And that this is a team that always loves to establish the run. I mean, that's always been their primary offense in the last few years, and they can't get that going this year. Sean Clifford last week against Maryland, Maryland's huge upset win. He was just bad. I mean, he, he looked lost out there. He was off target, underthrowing balls, overthrowing balls. And he's really struggled all year. He's much better at using his legs than his arms. As you said, he's their leading rusher. And Penn State's offensive coordinator, Kirk Kirocho, I think I pronounce his name. 
he, he has no trust in Clifford, but he, and you can't really blame him for having no trust in Clifford, but he doesn't really have a choice out there. So Penn State's a mess this year. Nebraska, they're not very good either. They give up 21 points, um, 21 more points per game than they score. So if, Mer if Penn State's offense is ever going to get going, if Sean Clifford is ever going to get going, it's going to be this week against Nebraska. I think Penn State gets their first win here, but I don't know. We'll see. Anything can happen in the Big Ten week to week, so we'll see. I think what you just mentioned there is that Sean Clifford not being able to hit his receivers at all, overthrowing, underthrowing. Mm -hmm. I think that was probably the most I've ever noticed a quarterback miss his receivers ever when watching football. Um, I might have just been looking for it more because Maryland was playing and I like to focus up and watch them and analyze them. But, I mean, these throws were just terrible. Some throws that I thought I could make, he obviously I – I don't think I actually can, but <laughs> it was bad. It was it was really bad where he would just he would miss. It was almost like he was throwing the ball away, but he wasn't. And nobody could catch up to the ball or he underthrew it or just I don't know if they weren't on the same page or if he's just making bad throws, but if he cleans that up, they're gonna start to do something, I think. I mean they have the talent there. Uh, it's just a matter of executing and putting it together. Right, and to talk about Nebraska real quickly when Adrian Martinez was at Nebraska. They thought he was going to be the next great Nebraska QB. They thought he was going to be a great talent, especially when Scott Frost came over from UCF. They thought that offense was going to be electric. Obviously, it hasn't been the case. I mean, Martinez is only thrown for how many yards this season? 230 yards, in two, albeit in two games, and one interception, no touchdowns. Your Nebraska looked to maybe see a little bit of four-star freshman Luke McCaffrey, of course, the younger brother of NFL star and former Stanford star Christian McCaffrey. Definitely something to watch there. We'll move on to one of the two primetime games in the Big Ten uh, college game day. Obviously going to the Masters this week, but this game will be on ABC in primetime. Number 13, Wisconsin, 1-0. Finally returning to the football field after their week one blowout win over Illinois. They're favored by 4.5 as they head to Ann Arbor and take on 1-2, disappointing Michigan. This game 7.30 Saturday night. Has the makings to be a good one. We still don't know the quarterback situation with Wisconsin as Graham Mertz is still in the COVID-19 protocol. I mean, he shined in week one for Wisconsin to be determined whether or not he plays. Their backup quarterback, Chase Wolf, also tested positive. So that would leave Danny Vanden Boom, who would start against Michigan if Mertz and Wolf can't go. I'm just excited Wisconsin football is back. I mean, it was two weeks without them in the Big Ten. I know collegiate chaos pod over here. We were on the Wisconsin bandwagon going into the season after week one we were excited to see them play in the Big Ten and see how they would compete I mean for me they were right behind Ohio State I thought they could compete with Ohio State they were really the only team in the Big Ten that I thought had a chance um, to compete with Ohio State for the Big Ten title they played one game so far this year it was against Illinois so Graham Mertz obviously was amazing who we think is going to be great I think is going to be spectacular NFL level quarterback but he only played one game, and it was against Illinois. We were excited to see him play, and now we, we know Wisconsin's playing on Saturday, but we don't know exactly if Graham Mertz going to be playing. We know there was reports that he should be able to clear the protocol today, Thursday, um, and he might be able to practice. We don't know if that will give him enough time. And that, that's really tough for Michigan because they have no idea what to prepare for or to expect a quarterback. It's hard to know what they're doing. And Mertz, Mertz is a stud, so I'm, I just – I really hope he can play and we can watch him again. For Michigan, I mean, their loss last week was shocking. 
It's back-to-back losses. This team seems like it's falling apart. Um, I think everyone expects Harbaugh to be out of there next year. But so th- this is a matchup that I really have no idea what's going to happen. Wisconsin minus four and a half is an interesting line. I'm not exactly sure why it would be that way. I know Michigan's off back-to-back losses, and they may just be um, falling slowly falling apart. But if we don't know who's that quarterback, it's, it's, it's an interesting line. I don't know what's going to happen in this game, but I am excited to watch it in prime time. I think the thing with Michigan is their defense and how poor it's been. Uh, they're allowing 30 points per game almost. And I think the big thing is just not executing when they've had opportunities to have a takeaway. They're dropping interceptions. Um, when they do get a takeaway, there's penalties that call it back. They just need to clean it up, and, and that's the main thing. Uh, one of my good buddies is a journalist over at – a student journalist over at Michigan, and he was saying all the things about the penalties that they have on defense. And that, 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 that kills you, really. It does. It makes you lose games. Um, and I know Mike Loxley always says they don't want to beat themselves here at Maryland. So if Harbaugh goes and tells them we can't beat ourselves, you got to clean up these penalties, maybe they'll be in a game. And they haven't been since week one. So um, I think this game is really the biggest test for them so far. Uh, obviously, we have no idea what's going to happen with Wisconsin here, who they're going to bring out. Personnel-wise, we have no idea. But either way, they're still a good team. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. And I think Michigan has the tough test here. Michigan wins, they're right back on track, and then they have a pretty easy schedule until Ohio State in the last week, uh, facing Rutgers, Penn State, and Maryland. And then they go on to face Ohio State. So they're they're through their tough part of the schedule after this week. And if they win it, they're right back on track. As for Wisconsin, if they come out here and win with different personnel, we're going to be like, oh, they're legit, just like we thought. And maybe they can compete with Ohio State, as Sam was saying. But I think this game is more important for Michigan in terms of finding a way to go to 500, face their easy part of the schedule, and then face Ohio State and maybe make some noise in the Big Ten East. Uh, Because with how shaken up the division is so far, you never really know how a few wins in a row could change the standings. So I don't think they should give up just yet. Um, but they got to do something on defense to fix those penalties, catch the football when it's in your hands, the secondary, they're dropping interceptions, just executing just small things, and they should be back on track. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. You look at Michigan, I think, like you said, this game means more to them. they got to find their identity somehow. No one really knows what to expect with Wisconsin not playing in three weeks and potentially bringing out a new quarterback. But Michigan's one and two, and you were talking about those those dumb penalties on defense. That's a reflection of discipline. I'm sorry if you look at Jim Harbaugh and the defensive scheme of Don Brown. They're school. They're the offense hasn't been the problem. They're averaging 31 points a game and 430 total yards a game. But like you said, giving up almost 30 points per game and over 411 yards of offense per game. I mean, if, if you're the Michigan Wolverines, you can't be doing that. They got to find their identity in this one and. They average. If they can find a way to squeak out a win, it could be a season changer, like you said. Sorry to cut you off, Ben, but they average 85 penalty yards per game. That's absurd. That's a lot. That is a lot. And they've had 25 total penalties of 255 yards. Um, And I don't know. They just don't. They don't. They're not disciplined, I guess. That's the thing here. Um, And they. They need to clean that up. That's the number one thing in football that you learn from a young age is to avoid the penalties. 
and they've come at crucial times for the Wolverines. There's been times where things get called back or it's late in the game, whatever, and I mean they haven't really been in any games until they've been since they won against Minnesota, but they they got to figure it out. They're not they're like Penn State. They're not this bad. The record does not show the talent they have. Um, and I think Harbaugh is now on the hot seat unless he turns this thing around. We'll, we'll, we'll call those games from Michigan and Penn State identity games. They, they need to figure themselves out I like real that. quick. But we'll move on to the other primetime game for the Big Ten. I think when the, the national TV networks and the conference itself are deciding when to play these games and on what networks, they weren't expecting number 23 Northwestern and Purdue to be a battle of unbeatens. Northwestern ranked again. The credit we talked about Pat Fitzgerald on the last podcast, really getting the program back after an abysmal year last year. They're three and zero. They're favored by a field goal as they head into Indiana to take on Purdue. Seven thirty Saturday night. I'm excited to see this game. I mean, it's another test for Northwestern ahead of their potential matchup with Wisconsin. We talked about it last week. If they can get past Nebraska last week and Purdue this week, they'll be undefeated heading into that Wisconsin game, which could decide the Big Ten West. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this one. I mean, this, this is the first place in the Big Ten West. Northwestern, like people are talking about Indiana. I think Northwestern is really the shock of the Big Ten, more, even more so than Indiana at 3-0. I mean, their defense is really strong. They only allow 121 rushing yards per game, which is remarkably low when you look at some of the other Big Ten rushing defense. And they also they can get to the quarterback at the same time. I mean, Purdue is going to have a really hard time running over this team. The over-under is 50, um, 50 and a half, which is the lowest that I've seen from Big Ten totals. I expect it to be a low-scoring battle. I mean, Purdue, this would be, if they when they're 2-0 and right now, if they win and go to 3-0, this would be the first time in over a decade. They have really good weapons outside. David Bell is putting up amazing numbers this year. Four, in only two games, four touchdowns, 22 receptions for 243 yards. If you get him the ball on the outside, let him make plays, Purdue might be in a good spot. But, I mean, I expect this to be a low-scoring battle in the Big Ten. I think Northwestern wins and goes to 4-0. I think they're a little better, and their their rush defense is going to is gonna slow down per, Purdue. But I'm, I'm just excited to watch this one. Yeah, with Northwestern, I think you mentioned that their defense is so strong, only allowing 12 points per game. Um, they're, they're also a shock to me as well, I will say. But I think it's so hard not to root for them. It really is. Because they're never, they're never picked to be good, even though they went to the Big Ten title game just two seasons ago. And even in women's basketball, they had this crazy Cinderella year almost where nobody picked them, and they end up winning the Big Ten with Maryland. Uh, and watching that just made me like Northwestern a little bit. I don't know why. Uh, except just, the little friendly journalism school robbery. Yeah, except for that. But <laughs> I think... I think they get this win again. Uh, I don't know how good Purdue is, but Northwestern's defense is just, it's overpowering almost. And they're able to do so many things, run the ball, pound the ball. They did it against Maryland. But the one thing I want to see from them is to blow out another team. They were able to blow out Maryland. um, Then they beat Iowa by only one. And then they beat Nebraska by one possession. So, to win in blowout fashion against an undefeated Purdue team, that'll prove to me that Northwestern's legit. Um, 
So we'll see. I think I think they they get it done. I think they cover the spread. We'll get to that later as my my I'll preview my lock of the week there. Tease right there. But uh, I think they're just they're a lot better than twenty third in the country in my opinion too. There's some teams that are not in the Power Five conferences that are ahead of them just because they have more games played and things like that. But Northwestern's on their way to be a top team here in the conference. Um, I think they continue the success. Yeah, uh, should be a good one. Uh, hopefully, we do see Rondale Moore out there. Uh, hasn't played yet this season. He's one of the most electric players in the nation. Potential first-round NFL draft pick. He'll be the best player on the field if he suits up Saturday night. That'll do it for the Big Ten slate this week. Uh, we'll move on to some quote-unquote marquee games nationally. Uh, horrible slate this weekend in college football. A lot of it due to the COVID cancellations across the SEC, but we'll talk a little bit about number nine Miami, six and one, coming off a huge weekday win over NC State, hitting the road to take on Virginia Tech, who's four and three. Miami is an underdog in this game. Virginia Tech favored by two and a half. This will be a noon game on ESPN two, or ESPN now, excuse me, uh, with some cancellations. But um, we'll be interested to see what happens in this game. I wish it was in prime time because I really do think this is the best game of the week if you're looking at uh, the nat- whole national slate. Should be an interesting one. Excited to see D.R. King, one of the most electric quarterbacks in the nation for Miami. They're saying his performance last week against NC State, maybe the best single-game performance ever by a Miami quarterback. Really excited to watch Miami play against Virginia Tech. Should be a real test as they are underdogs heading into this game. Yeah, I think this line for Miami is a little disrespectful. I, mean, I, I said, agree. Yeah, last week I said the Penn State line for Maryland was disrespectful to Maryland. Certainly was. This one, I mean, Miami is a good team. They, they're six and one. They're one losses against Clemson. I mean, potentially top three team in the country. I mean, they are a top three team in the country. We'll talk about that a little later when we get into Notre Dame. But um, they had a crazy comeback win over NC State, down by ten in the fourth. That was an awesome game. Miami's quarterback, Derek King, like. He is, he's not getting as much national attention, but he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He uses his legs a ton, a ton. He leads the team in rushing, and the entire offense runs through them. And it's like we talk about these Big Ten quarterbacks that lead the team in rushing. De'Ara King leads the team in rushing playing seven games, which is really remarkable. So the entire offense runs through them. He's a solid thrower, too. The Virginia Tech defense is suspect. I expect them to give up a ton of points. Um... I expect them to give up a ton of points. Uh, they're coming off a heartbreaking loss against a ranked Liberty team. I'm not really sure why Virginia Tech is favored. Miami, I mean, I think Miami takes care of business. I may have been wrong about that De'Ara King stat. You can check me real quick. I'm not sure, though. I saw that De'Ara King was leading this team in rushing. The entire offense runs to them. Regardless, he's underrated. I think Miami takes care of business. I agree with you here. I think Miami is 6-1 for a reason. They're one loss to Clemson. They're ranked in the top 10. They've been there for a while now. Um, that performance last week was absurd. He only, De'Ara King had 10 incomplete passes. He had over 400 passing yards, five touchdowns. That's crazy. That's, that's video game numbers right there. Um, and I think Miami's getting some disrespect here. Um, I don't really know why Virginia Tech is favored in this game. Um, I really do think Miami has a chance to blow them out, to be honest. I think Miami's good, and I really have no idea why people are doubting them here. Um, 
and the ESPN football power index percentage has Virginia Tech to win by th- it's a 62.2% matchup predictor for Virginia Tech to win. I think that's they're disrespecting the Hurricanes here. I like the Hurricanes as that's my upset of the week. Uh, it's not even really an upset to me. They have a better record. They're ranked higher. Virginia Tech's not even ranked, but the only reason it's an upset is because the spread favors Virginia Tech. So I'm, I'm with you there, Matt. It doesn't really make any sense, but it's it's the the points for the home team. We'll really see that. Are there fans? Are there fans there? There's fans of Virginia Tech, but it's it's not it's not going to be like the sellout crowds you would have seen for this game. But we'll move on. Wait, wait, just real quick. Derry King is actually leading the Miami rushing. He has 82 attempts, and the running back Cameron Harris has 81 attempts. More rushing attempts than yeah, that, which is which is more well, everything goes through him. So that offense goes where he goes. Unbelievable. I mean, he's a special talent. But we'll move on to the last game we're going to talk about nationally. Not a marquee game, but the only top five team in action this week across the country. Number two Notre Dame coming off a really remarkable win over Clemson in double overtime. They're seven and zero. Favored by 13.5 as they hit the road to take on 5-3 and three Boston College, who played Clemson tough the other week. That game will be at 3.30 on Saturday on ABC. I mean, it could be a, a test for Notre Dame. Maybe a letdown game coming off that really season-defining win off of Clemson. Excited to see this one, and should be a good one in Boston College. I mean, 13.5, could see it maybe being a little closer than that. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, But Ian Book... Leading the troops into Boston College. Well, first, talk about fans in college football. I mean, uh, <laughs> storm the field. I mean, come on. Notre Dame got a lot of their fans and their school, their, their entire um, football program, everything. Got a lot of criticism for that one. But we won't get into that. But in terms of the, the actual football game, Notre Dame minus 13 half at BC, you said they might might be a letdown after um, a big win. I, I don't think so. I think, I think Notre Dame is going to crush BC because they just got this huge win over Clemson. And they look at their schedule head. It's a very light schedule. I mean, they don't they don't play any ranked teams. They it's they should be able to breeze through. So I think they see this opportunity ahead of them, and they're just going to take advantage of it and start blowing these teams out with that huge double overtime win over Clemson. I mean, Notre Dame has had a lot of quality teams in the past few years, but they've consistently underperformed. I mean, this may be the team that like actually can get in a weird, wacky year. This may be the team that actually can get to the. College football playoff and get over that hump. So I'm, I, like I said, I think they see the opportunity they have in front of them. BC competes. I mean, they're a good team. They kind of take care of the teams that they're better than and lose to the teams that they should lose to. But they they compete. But I do think Notre Dame blows the door off of BC and runs the table the rest of the regular season. Yeah, the one tough matchup they have is against North Carolina next week. Uh, North Carolina has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Quarterback Sam Howe is a future pro. But they've lost some critical games as well, losing one to Virginia a couple weeks ago. Uh, that was bad. But I think, as you said, it's not really a look-ahead game, um, the way we mentioned a few other teams earlier in the Big Ten. Uh, I think they have a shot to run the table here, go undefeated. And with other teams having cancellations, if Notre Dame never has one, who knows? Maybe they do end up in the college football playoff. It's just such a weird season, and I think the highlight of their team, obviously, is their quarterback, Ian Book. He's been really, really good, and he was good against Clemson, and they were able to pull it out somehow. I I thought Clemson was going to win that game by a lot, and I think that shows 
that showed me at least how much Trevor Lawrence actually means to that team. Uh, and it showed against Boston College as well when that was a closer game. So even though DJ Uigalele, whatever his name is, even though he's the number one quarterback in the 2020 class and still played well, they didn't blow the doors off of BC and they lost to Notre Dame. That shows to me how much Trevor Lawrence really, really means to that offense. And I hope he's a New York Jet. So. <laughs> hope so, too. He, big, doesn't, big, he big, doesn't hope he's a New York Jet. <laughs> big loss for the Jets against the Patriots. Not as good of a game they played that they could lose on Monday. <laughs> but for the record here, I do like Notre Dame big. But we will. I think Boston College does compete, like you said there, Sam. So it wouldn't necessarily be surprised if it was within that 13-and-a-half point spread. Real, real quick, Matt mentioned, I mean, just to touch on a little bit, it's going to be really interesting to see how the committee factors in COVID this year, just in terms of, like, all right, we see Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. I mean, how much, if, if they get a huge win later in the season, how much does that factor in? In a game without the quarterback due to COVID, do they treat it like a normal injury? So it's nothing. I mean, with Ohio State having to cancel and they'll be playing less games than most other teams across the country, it's just going to be, I mean, we know the committee is going to get a lot of slack for whatever they choose, but it'll just from the media and the public, but it'll just be interesting to see how they approach this season. Look, I mean, the committee always says they're going to take the four best teams, so let's prove it this year. Yeah. Before we end here, I want to get into some college basketball just quickly. Great. We have seven Big Ten teams ranked in the preseason AP poll. Maryland not ranked, not receiving votes. They're going to be overlooked again this year. Um, but this is crazy to me. Half the conference is ranked in the top 25. And five in the top eight, or three in the top eight, excuse me. Number five, Iowa. Number seven, Wisconsin. Number eight, Illinois. Number 13, Michigan State. Number 23, Ohio State. Number 24, Rutgers. And number 25, Michigan. It was, a, it was the best conference of basketball last year. It will be the best conference and deepest conference in basketball this year. And we will have an extensive uh, basketball, college basketball preview coming in a couple weeks. We're 13 days out. It's right around the corner. Yeah, those, those who know me know uh, college basketball is my thing. It's my favorite sport on the planet. We will have that preview episode hopefully out, uh, not ne- not next week, but uh, the week after that, week. Thanksgiving week. Uh, before we close here, we're going to end with our locks of the week uh, here at WMUC Sports. We are not advising you to take these picks at all, and please be responsible. Take them with a grain of salt. But we're going to give you our, our winners, potentially an upset of the week. And uh, Matt, and you seem excited. Who do you got here? Well, I said it before. I'll say it now. Northwestern spread. Uh, I think they get it done. Their defense too good. And that's what you need in the Big Ten is a good defense, especially against a team like Purdue that is not the best team, although they're 2-0. and They don't have the most powerful offense. Northwestern should be able to handle that pretty well. Uh, so I'll take the Wildcats with the spread. I think it's three or three and a half. And then my upset is either going to be Miami against Virginia Tech with the spread or SMU, the number 19 team in the country at 7-1, is not favored against Tulsa, who's 3-1. Tulsa's favored by 2.5. So I'll take SMU, the higher-ranked team again, with a better record, obviously more games played. And I'll take Miami, a ranked team with a better record. Both teams not favored. I'm going there for the upset. Yeah, my lock of the week, talked about this game as well, Notre Dame, minus 13.5 against BC. Um, I think Notre Dame, just they're riding high off a big win. That could potentially mean, all right, they come out a little flat. I think, like I said earlier, 
they have they see the opportunity in front of them they're going to take care of business i don't think bc is i think they're way more than two touchdowns better than bc i think they take care of that one i don't have an upset of the week if i were to choose one it would be miami or virginia tech because i don't get how virginia tech is favored but i will take another pick of the week i'm going to say penn state minus three and a half Penn State has to win event the game eventually, right? I mean, this, Nebraska is not a good team. I think this is the one. Maybe their offense can finally get something going. It's only a little over a field goal. I think they win by like at least a touchdown. So Penn State minus three and a half is my other lock of the week. Yeah, I'm with you both. Of you there in the upset. I do like Miami at Virginia Tech. Um, my lock that I'll give you will be Indiana hitting the road against Michigan State. Only favored by a touchdown. We thought it was a, a weird line for some reason. I don't care. I think Indiana's a top 10 team for a reason. I think they'll win this game by at least two touchdowns. And, I mean, our picks, I don't know how we've been doing. We should probably go back and listen. Yeah, I don't think keep, too well. I think I'm 0-2 on my locks, but uh, my upset did win last week. My upset is well. Florida beat, did Florida, beat Georgia yeah, last week, yeah. so... I'm one and two in my life. That's the only pick I remember ever making. When college well, basketball locks. College basketball. We'll, we'll keep the time of that. It's, 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 it's hard to join in midseason and really uh, keep the college football <laughs> tally. But um, that'll do it for us today. Uh, special thanks to WMUC Sports for allowing us to have this platform. Uh, I'm Ben Dixon alongside Matt Levine, Sam Oshry. We'll see you Monday for a special NBA draft uh, preview edition. Bonus episode.